0: Hi, my name is Stephen.
1: Hi, I'm April.
0: This is the 3Pi Squared ABA Business Leaders Podcast, where we discuss topics on how to create and grow an ethical and sustainable ABA practice.
1: Together, Stephen and I owned a seven figure ABA practice that provided both clinic and in home services.
0: 3Pi Squared has helped over 900 ABA practices start up and expand with our comprehensive products and services geared specifically. ABA. Now, let's get to the podcast.
1: Hi, everyone. Today with us, we have two members of our panel, Mallory and Jennifer. Thanks, ladies, for joining us today. Thank you. For joining Yay. me today. Stephen's not in on this one, so um, we miss him, and we'll see him back at the next, at the next podcast. <laughs> um, so today, we are talking about client hours. And, you know, just like, uh, the rest of our panel discussions, we're just going to, um, chat about how I've done things in, in our private practice, how, how you guys are doing things in your practice, um, you know, and our opinions on these and just kind of what we've seen, um, and how we go about, um, determining hours for our kids. And so, um, we're just going to start our conversation. So, uh, when we're looking at our recommended, our clinical recommendation for ours, for our clients, for our kids, um, you know, typically whether it's a new client, we do our assessment, um, and then, um, the six month typically reauthorizations or reassess um to determine that amount of time if it needs to be the same or increase or decrease um, but i guess let's just start off with like how do we determine the hours in the first place
2: yeah jen do you want to go first would you would you like me to go first on how i run
0: things <laughs> <laughs> i'm open i can start um Well, we all know that if you're using your funders through insurance, you know, you're all usually confined to a a specific number of hours that you can use for an assessment process, and we utilize every bit of those hours. Um, We also make sure that in order to write a a, a very thorough ironclad treatment plan, that we have at least three observations with the child at least, so we can have three data points, Um, in addition to a... An interview with the parent off front, right out the gate. Um, so, between that with and then doing our observations and then all the paperwork that parents have submitted, our treatment plans are very, very extensive and very um, they're very data driven. They support the medical necessity of the recommendation. Um, it, when we do recommend, we really truly recommend based on the client's needs and what we can justify from a medical standpoint of what it is. So I know it's very popular here in Texas to um, in some of the some of the centers that they'll just slap 40 hours on a child with a one day assessment and they start the next week. That's their model. That's not our model. Um, we We take at least three weeks to get through the write the plan get the buy-in from the parents at the beginning so that they understand that we're not going to recommend 20 hours for you to only be able to do two that's not that's not what this is that's not what our intervention is about that's not what it's for and we can't show we won't be able to show true meaningful change or quick meaningful change if we don't have the the at least 90 percent of what we're recommending working following through with that on a week-to-week basis um so from that standpoint uh what i've also noticed with payers is that if we're recommending the hours they want to see it on the schedule and they want to make sure that we we as the agency have the ability to fulfill the hours we're recommending which i don't blame them i think that's smart you shouldn't be putting something on there and then only in six months they're seeing well you've only been doing 15 percent of these hours why are you only doing that um so from that standpoint we always do Look at it from what is medically necessary for this child, because I don't believe that 40 hours is what every child needs, and we don't either. I've actually seen that harm children, um, then and, and not help them, and that's exactly the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. So, that's kind of our take on how we do it. We utilize that that assessment, and we, we're very thorough on that assessment, so that we can make sure that we are recommending what is necessary and we're ethical in our recommendations as well. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, Along with Jen um, when she's talking about like the assessment the the other part of the assessment that I do and I think it is you know comes from my teacher background but I do typically um, in the the assessment period I will try to reach out to the teachers um, and any of the other like people at the school that um, if they have a one-on-one I ask if the one-on-one can also be in on that, you know, teacher conversation. Um, <clears throat> and, and the parent sometimes is in on it too. But um, I think that that is super important also because um, I don't know about you guys, but I have had insurance um, before one specific say like, you know, it showed that you didn't uh, contact the school. You didn't collaborate with the school. And it was in the middle of the summer. So, of course, I had some very sassy things to say, <laughs> to say <laughs> about that. But, um, you know, I, I do think that that is important. And I think that they do look at that uh, when you're requ- you know requesting hours and then you're reporting that they go to school eight hours a day, right? You cannot, you know, request 30 hours and then they go to school and then not have in the plan saying, you know, the parent um, has chosen to, you know, pull the child out of school for X amount of time to be able to receive the one-on-one services. And this is why, and oftentimes, right, um, when I'm collaborating with the teachers, that the entire team does come to a decision that, hey, uh, we can't provide them what they need at school. We've taken data and we can't justify getting a one-on-one at school. Um, And so the one-on-one at home is more beneficial than them being at school, right? They get half a day of the socialization um, and then half the day with ABA. So, yes, you say yours is about three weeks. Mine takes actually about a month. Um, I feel like, well, I have been accused by some families, like, of me being very slow. But the thing is, is a lot of times I have a lot of the information pulled within the first two weeks, and I've already plugged it in. But I need to step away from it before coming back to it and then making sure, like, hey, that does not make sense. (laughs) Like, that does not, you know, like, that goal that I put in there, this is what I had originally envisioned that to look like. And yeah, now that I'm looking at it again, I I have to change the parameters. I have to, you know, work, um, work into that a little bit more. Um, so yeah, mine takes about a month. Um, then as far as like the hours, um, I recently just had a pretty significant interaction with an insurance company because, um, I had one, one kiddo who had some significant, I guess, like obsession with scissors and, Obviously the the use of scissors was not functional and it was somewhat, you know, could end up being harmful. They they definitely were not like stabbing it or using it as a weapon, but there was hair cutting, there was cutting of clothes, there was, you know, like almost more um like a curiosity of like, what is this gonna do? How are people gonna respond? But and so I did put in a cutting program in there to use it as a functional, you know, goal. And of course some of them don't like fine motor things. Um and They said, you know, at the end of the day, they didn't want me to have that in there and said that it would take three hours a week to teach those skills. Um, which I giggled because then if I was like I looked at the goals and what I had put in there, right? And so I said, okay, well, if if you're gonna assign three hours to a you know safety, a scissor safety program, then assigning three hours to every other goal, well, that's well above.
1: Can you hear it? Yeah, I'm hearing Go that sound again. Go ahead. Go ahead. No worries. It was a good good thing. We're not live, we can cut it out easy. Okay.
2: No worries. Okay. So so anyways, so I kinda giggled at that and I and I did um we did have a peer review and I did, you know, comment on that. Um, and they didn't really say much. <laughs> they didn't really have a lot to say about that. Um, so I just said, you know, like, I'm I'm not asking for an astronomical amount of hours here. And um, the reason I'm asking for 15 hours is because simply because you know, this child is younger and he is going to school half of the day. And so if he's having school for three hours a day and he's having ABA for three hours a day, that's a full day. And he is five and, you know, he has some attending issues already. And at the two and a half hour mark, actually for most of my younger clients, they're done. Yeah. But I also think that my approach is a little bit more intense than maybe other BCBAs or other, um, you know, RBTs. Um, I We have a ton of fun. Of course, we take a lot of breaks, but it's a solid three hours. You know, we start and, and we don't stop until the three hour mark. Um, and I do block scheduling and that is partially why I set up the blocks into three hour blocks, because when I work with the younger population, you know, at two and a half hours, they're kind of like, okay, crazy lady, get out of here. (laughs) Like I'm ready for a break. Um, so then when I'm looking at the hours, yes, age, age for me, does play a factor in that, um, the amount of time they're at school, what school is like for them. I have one kiddo who I did end up, um, decreasing some hours because, the parent has been fighting um, the school to get the child pushed into the general education more because the classroom she's in specifically right now, she is well above that academically. And so throughout the entire day that she's there, she's just floundering. She She's just there. She's not really learning a whole lot on her level. Right. So there's a lot of chaos and she's very overstimulated. And I didn't think that it would be fair for me to, you know, force the hey we have to have the full 15 hours um, and so we did we cut back um, we cut back to 10 with the intent that when school has shifted and if we see a change that we will go ahead and increase back up to the 15 hours um, and then you know those things are all justified on the report so um so the age what's going on at school um what you know the home environment is like as well because some of our families can't they they can't commit to 30 hours a week i mean i do only in home services so being in a home for 30 hours a week i think that's just um asking for dual relationships i think that's just asking for trouble right um i don't know anybody that could go into a home for 30 hours a week and not become part of the family right and and boundaries and lines being crossed so um, I think that that also makes a big difference. I think if you're in a clinic, it's easier to do you know, like a full thirty if you have you know a little bit more structure with that. So um, so there's that. Um, I do have a little bit of a concern when I hear um, supervisees that I have that come from other agencies that I'm doing, you know, kind of on the side. and they'll say, you know my company's policy is um, if it's less than ten, we won't we won't serve them. Um, So I have an adult client right now um, that she will be getting one day a week for two hours. And she came to us, personally came to us and said, I'm struggling with this at work. I need help. Well, I mean, 10 hours would have been overkill. I mean, overkill, right? And so for me to say, hey, yeah, I think for probably maybe four to five months, we'll be there once, you know, once a a week um, for two hours. And then she'll probably be ready for discharge. Now, those, of course, are, you know, like educated guesses. Things could come up and we may need to add more or we may need to just be done after four months. Right. I guess it's awesome that we're able to completely, you know, like continuously reevaluate things because then we can say, yeah, okay, 30 is way too much and 15 is not enough. Right. I thought that when I started 15 was going to be enough. No, it's not. So now I'm going to have to rework. And even within the block schedule, I've had to make exceptions because it hasn't been quite enough or it's been too much. Right. So um, so there's that. Um, so that does worry me. And it's very common. I think you guys probably have heard that at other agencies, too, where it's, you know, if it's anything less than 10, it's really not
0: worth worth our time. Which that- agencies here that will tell a parent if you're not going to commit to 40, we won't they won't take them they will and they we have agencies down here too that are at five years old they're there's they're discharging kids and those kids have been in a 40-hour program since they were two or three and at five they discharge them and i don't agree with that i don't think that you should um tell a parent well if you can't commit to this you're not we're we're not going to serve you i i just feel like that so that goes against all of our ethics to begin with you know do no harm do you know what's in the best interest of the client to me, if you're putting a parameter like that on a parent for those hours, you're not talking about what's medically necessary and appropriate for this child. You're going on what's what you want as an agency in the terms of revenue. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that that's heartbreaking to me when yeah. I hear, you know.
1: Cal Medical Billing is comprised of experienced medical billers and coders who specialize in ABA billing. Founded by a team of professionals who have worked as staff billers for multiple agencies, CalMed strives to provide a level of service and communication that feels like your own in-house team, without the cost and worries that come with having employees. They offer billing and credentialing services with no term contracts and have served ABA clients across multiple states for nearly a decade. Call 213-277-7999. Or visit their website at www.calmedbilling.org to set up a free consultation.
2: Yeah, I do the, I do also have experience with um, another agency who actually only does a 12-week program. It's an intense 12-week program. And that's really hard because I get a lot of those kiddos from that program. Um, and, you know, my wait list is full of them. And that's the sad part is that most of the parents will um, – you know, they'll say, we saw a lot of progress. It was in clinic. We saw a lot of progress um, when they would, you know, be done with the 12 weeks, but then they're on a wait list for another year before they get services again. So then I, I'm i always wondering what the medical, you know, like <laughs> request for those hours and that timeframe and how it's being presented, right? Because I guess maybe the idea that, you know, 12 weeks is better than no weeks, but I guess I have a hard time kind of wrapping my head around that because then when they do come to me and they've had a long break, I'm starting from the beginning again. Right. So I I don't know. I feel like that might be kind of a waste of resources. Um, so, um, yeah, so there's that, um, the other thing that I was, there was one other thing and now I think I kind of lost, I lost my thoughts on that. Uh, Oh, so I recently did just have a family, um, their one one child um, has, you know, titrated down from five days a week, so 15 hours a week, to um, he gets three days a week, and then he went to two days a week. So now he's at two days a week. He gets six hours a week. He is doing fabulous. I mean, fabulous. Their youngest child now has just gotten diagnosed, and um, you know they're looking into getting ABA services for that child. And you know we've talked about it. The reality is, it's expensive. And it's this family that they are working their tails off to provide what is best for their children. And so when we were talking about it and, you know, for a family to be able to be vulnerable and honest and be like, you know, I want them in ABA services, but I don't know financially if we're going to be able to. How can I honestly look at them and say, okay, well, if you can't commit to the 15 hours that I think he needs, right, Mm -hmm. um, I won't, I won't serve you. Um, I don't think that that's fair. I think that we are already in a decrease with their other son. He's at six hours. That's not going to be much longer, right? Before he's ready to, to not have services, or it's just a maintenance thing for a period of time to make sure that we're settled. Everybody's good. The, the whole team, you know, that serves him it has, you know, what they need to be able to support him moving forward and his growth. So then maybe we can increase once the older brother decreases and we can increase with that child. Um, So that, that is hard. I think that for me, I wish that there was an, you know, (laughs) a set like, uh, you know, like table that we could say, okay, this skill, you know, this amount of time and this skill, this amount of time, and this is how much I think, you know, he absolutely needs. I think that that would be really easy and we would be able to use that to justify everything we do. But um, I don't have a problem. With that child specifically to be able to say we are starting this child out at this amount of hours um you know i have requested for this amount of hours because as soon as the other brother you know other child decreases we will increase this is how much a child needs financially they can't do it and if insurance comes back to me and denies or needs a peer review you better believe that it's not going to be a fun conversation right because that's just really unfair um it's super unfair so I wish it was a cookie cutter thing, but but it's not even with block scheduling, it's not a cookie cutter thing um, for me and and constantly having to you know reevaluate and, and rework things and make sure that the kiddos are getting what they need um, or we're moving towards that. Right. If a new need has come up that we're moving towards that. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of kind of where I'm at with things.
1: I know when we started our agency um, and we were private pay and we were, we had a lot more flexibility of how we use hours. My biggest, and it was even written in our mission statement. Like my biggest thing was like meeting the parents where they were like, um, you know, offering services at the time of day that the family needed. Now, of course that was, I was like in my G world at that point, because there was only so much that you can do. To that piece, um, or you're going to be having a, a staff, um, you know, working 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. every morning and 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. every night because of the like morning and uh, nighttime routines, which a lot of our families struggled with. Um, and so we did make sure that we had, we did support them, like at least the BCBA would be able to come up and be able to go out and observe during some of those crucial times to really be able to see it. Um, And to work with the families, even when we had to provide services during the day to like work on the skills around that. But in one of the things that even as we started to get more limited on how we could do the scheduling itself, um, when it came to the hours, we really tried our best to have like conversations with the families of like, here's our recommendation and why, and then listen to them. And that was something that, I hope I hope that the clinicians that worked with my company over the years you know it's something you know we started we I think I got better at it over the years but I hope some of them um were able to we were able to work together on this and learn how to support the family and listen to their needs listen to like what their 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 culture, their family culture, and their values and what else they have going on. If they have other children, whether they're on the spectrum receiving services or not, you know, their work schedules, their relationships, they're, if they're a multi-generational family living, you know, together or whatever it may be, um, say, okay, yeah, this three-year-old we suggest, you know, we recommend 30 hours. This is why the family says we can do more. Okay going back to them and say, okay, here, you know, let's talk about the priorities. Let's talk about like uh, prerequisite skills. Let's talk about, I don't know, what can we ethically work on in these four hours? And if it's a, I mean, there were sometimes, there were situations where working four hours with that child would be more detrimental than helpful. And so, but then we would give them other resources or, you know, agencies or whatever to look into and we would help them to try to get what they needed. Um, but for the most part, even if it was okay, here's our wish list or here are all the goals and, you know, the needs and the skills that we want to work on. But for now, for just these four hours, what's most important, what's most important for the child's development for, you know, ethically all of these things. Um, and let's see how we can make that happen. And of course, you know, adjust as, you know, evaluate and adjust as you go, um, But I I do, I mean, that's why I wanted to talk about this today because, um, you know, I think, I mean, it's hard running a business. Uh, It's hard to um, know how to balance that financial business piece with the clinical ethical piece. I mean, you know, we we all come into this wanting to provide ethical quality services. Um, But then sometimes the business piece can kind of start to get enmeshed and start to make it more difficult. Um so so I, I like that, you know, I love your perspective that you guys both bring and how you're doing it. You know, I feel like we're um all very similar and like-minded in that. What would you what would you re- suggest to let's say someone's listening to this and they are more of a cookie cutter approach and they're more like a you know, 10 hour minimum or, um, and maybe they have great ideas for great reasons for why there are 10 hour minimum, um, or a 40 hour, like everybody's got to have the same amount Luke, What, what advice or what questions would you urge them to ask themselves, help them to be, you know, to see whether that's something they should continue or not? I
2: definitely think that, um, I I mean, I, I think at first, I think that that's a, um, a hard thing to like communicate to parents i think that we need to be careful right i I think we need to be careful about like coming at them and saying well if you can't commit to 10 hours i think that uh if you put that aside for those who have you know that approach put that aside and then you do the assessment and then you truly do realize like oh well what am i going to do with them for 10 minutes or for 10 hours a week if they don't need 10 hours a week and then you've already set that standard and then you have to go back to the parent and say, I did the assessment and actually it seems like I only need six hours. I mean, that's just like confusing, right? So, yeah, I mean, if you have that mentality, maybe just withhold from saying, you know, refrain from saying that um, until, you know, you have done the assessment and truly, truly say like, okay, well, they absolutely need 10 hours plus. Um, yeah, I just think refraining from saying that in general, I think it's just kind of a hard thing to say or a hard thing for parents to accept that without immediately being like, okay, well, I guess this isn't the company for me, which, you know, is really hard because I'm like, I know some of those people who have that mentality and they have amazing, I mean, amazing thoughts and ideas and I've seen success. Um, but yeah, I have encouraged some of them to to take a step back and just not say that at first it's hard it's really hard
0: I don't really know when that when that is being delivered to parents um for the agencies that I know down down here that do things like that I'm not real sure when that is actually when that message has been delivered I don't know if it's in the onset during the initial consultation i don't because i don't really know their intake process um all i know is that i we will get families that are like you know we didn't we didn't agree with this they they said it's this or nothing so you know i I think sometimes too i have to take into perspective the perspective i am getting so i don't have all the information however when you hear it more than one time you start going okay there's this there's a trend i'm seeing Um, and it's usually the same thing right so I don't really know because it seems like some of the parents have already gone through the assessment process before they find out that, well, we are not going to do anything, anything less or more than this, whatever, whatever, whatever their parameters are um, with that. I I think I don't know the question I would have or something to say to an agency or a BCBA or somebody who has that. I'm not doing less than 10. I'm not doing, you know what I'm, who puts those types of parameters on there i feel like that would be more something that you'd want to educate a parent on and ask them well why can you justify why you will take you know no more than you will you're making me do 40 can you can you really sit here and justify and tell me why you know give me to buy into this like buy into why you're saying it's 40 or nothing um instead of just telling me it's 40 or nothing you know because the other thing that I do see that goes on is the parents aren't even, they're not even sitting down with the parents and going through the goals. They're not having an informed consent meeting with the parents and going through that treatment plan line by line to make sure that the parents understand what is, you know, this is why we've recommended it. These are skills. These are fundamental skills that we need to get. These We're going to scaffold here. This is what this goal is going to look like this is how we're going to address it and so if the parents aren't even made aware of the why of the recommendation yeah that's yeah. not that as a parent myself i'm a i'm a question asker and if i read the report i want to know why you're saying this like where did you see this because i know my child you know this part you know you you're the expert in this field but in my child i'm the expert and so there has to be a collaboration in those hours, um, kind of to Mallory's point when we when we're looking at scheduling, we would love every parent to do 100%. But that's not the reality of life, you know, there's, there's finances, there's, you know, like, they're just a myriad of very available of the, um, variables that go on. And so we always offer a transition period because i don't personally believe that a two-year-old who's just freshly diagnosed with asd should be put into a 40-hour program and away from their parents for 40 hours a week that's ludicrous that's ridiculous i don't see a justification in that so what we do is we work with the parents and we do a transition We wouldn't start off 40 hours we're going to do small transitions so that the child can get acclimated and build the relationships with our therapist we can build that trust with the parents um i've worked with parents lots of times where it's like even with insurance it's it's expensive and we work there you know how can we help how can we help with that transition um to help financially because you know at It's going to cost more in the long run if we don't do the intervention, but I understand the constraints of finances. I mean, that's a real thing. Then if they have more kids and you know I have families that have 5 kids and they're going to different schools. And you have to take all that into consideration and we can't penalize a parent who's trying to do the best for their child, but they have their entire family to look at. And so all you can do is just say, listen, we are recommending this here's our plan here's how we want to do it in the interim if you can't if you're unable to do the recommended hours what can we do to help bridge that gap so okay we're going to maybe do a little bit extra on parent training you know Um, and in addition to what we already do here's what we want you to do at home so that you can help bridge that with what we're doing so at least there's continuity let's let's pare down our our goals and start where it's really important to build on and we're all gonna work on this. And then as things that, you know, are able to, we can add more hours into their week or their day, then let's start doing that. But the first, the most important part is you have to have buy-in on the parents. If they don't have buy-in, it doesn't matter. And if you, I mean, at least here in my area, you can throw a rock and there's another ABA clinic who's gonna give them what they want or what they, you know, and not be honest with them up front. You know about it because you know they may need it
1: at element rcm our vision is a childhood for every child and our mission is to strengthen all who improve the lives of children how do we do that through our billing and insurance expertise that we've gained with our founding team's 20 plus years of expertise in the aba field we have a singular value proposition to improve your cash collection rate and velocity We understand you because we've lived it. It's hard to battle with insurance companies. At Element, we work with all size providers from single BCBA startups to multi-state large organizations. What's our advantage? We're a billing and insurance company built by ABA owners for ABA owners. Make more money, gain more time, worry less. We help you with your core ABA business so you can do what you love. Find us online at www.element.com. RCM.ai
0: I just think I just think you shouldn't be putting parents over a barrel and I do understand the business and you're right, April. The, the bigger you get as an agency, the more business stuff has to come into play because in a perfect world, 6 a.m to 8 p.m is what we would be doing to help help our kids, right? Those are the but in reality, you have staff you have to take care of and your staff can't work 6 a.m to 8 p.m they have a life and and sometimes tough love has to come in and say listen that's a family dynamic that me as the bcda can help you with but we're not gonna this is a family thing that has to be addressed as a family that's not a therapy goal you know but we can help you set these up to make this successful for your family but we have policies, and I swore when I started my company, I would never be a policy and procedure person. Like, oh my gosh, that's just the 4 letter word. I'm not gonna have all these, and and I'm not gonna be you know, strict, and we're not gonna do this. And the reality of it is though, every person wants boundaries and needs to know what they're operating in. Parents are not an exception to this. They need to know what are the expectations and what do you need from me and how does this relationship work. And the relationship starts off in your assessment process, the transparency, the solid goals, parent input, collaboration, coordination and care with other, with schools and other professionals. All of that needs to be in it in that first, when you're first taking on your, your client. Um, I personally, if I don't see hours decreasing, Uh, on, uh, on next authorizations, even if it's two hours, I'm questioning what's going on that we are not seeing these hours decrease because is there, has something happened? What's going on? Are we not getting it? Because to me, the whole goal is that we're working ourselves out of a job to begin with. And I think that that's important to relate to parents. This is a transition journey, not a forever journey and we should be seeing decreases. And if we don't, then we need to have a real honest conversation. I have noticed more and more with payers on that. If you're very honest with things with the payers, they're more willing to work with you as well. I was on a conversation with a payer and he was like, well, how come you couldn't do this many hours? I said, well, he's still in school. And he said, okay, well, can you, if we amend it to when he's not in school, I will amend that when he's out of school to add those hours back in if that's what you need. And I was like, wow, that's the first time I've ever heard that. that. So the fact that I'm seeing a trend in payers starting to even recognize these cultural and familial things that are going on is I'm actually kind of excited about that because I'm hoping, wow, hopefully there's really gonna be a true relationship here between payers and providers that will really honestly allow us to do what we need to do and help get the kids And the parents through this journey, but we're actually working as a cohesive team instead of the payer saying, nope, this is all you're getting and you're going to have to justify everything moving forward. That's not that's not what this should look like. But um, we always tell our parents we work with all of our parents on their scheduling We work to accommodate them to the best that we can, and we always will guarantee the hours, but we can't always guarantee the days that they're going to want those hours. And that's what we tell them up front. Look, we'll guarantee that we can provide you what we're recommending, but I can't guarantee it's going to be exactly the schedule you want. Um, We are primarily center-based, so that does help us a little bit in that sense. Um, with home, when we do home services, it's a little trickier in your scheduling, but we still try to do work with the parents with everything. And again, I just keep going back to intake assessment, (laughs) transparency. So I think that question that was initially posed April is it's kind of like, I don't know, I, to be perfectly honest, I don't know what I would because I don't know what their thought is. I don't know where, where the justification, I can surmise it. And that's not, but that's not really fair either. Cause then I'm saying, oh, it's all about money, but that's not really always what it's about. A good BCBA knows their, knows their forte and is going to know the, the clientele that they want to really focus on too. So I think that there's some of those types of things that probably come into play on that as well. You know, I, I just don't, I, I that's a really good question. I don't, I think I have an answer for it other than I would err more on the side of the parents saying, please, please tell me why you're recommending this and help me buy into this because my two year old being at your center for 40 hours is not sitting well with me. I just can't have my child away from me that long at this age, you know, so. That's kind of I think they
2: could. Um, I think we could. I mean, we could ask them to even just to think about like how to structure. Um, a session for a child that you're saying you have to have 10 hours or you have to have 40 full hours. Right. Um, And that's just kind of how my my mind works in general. And when I hire people um, to work specifically with the younger ones, I kind of give them this template of like this is kind of how I go into session. And, you know, I prep session and then I break up my session into like 15 to 20 minute, you know, increments. That's how it works best for me. It doesn't mean that that's how it has to work for you, but it works best for me because if they're on, if they're using a picture schedule, it's very, you know, kind of cut and dry and the child knows what's coming up next. Um, And so that kind of helps. But if you're saying, you know, for um, a young adult, you're saying, well, they have to have 10 hours. Okay. What are you going to do with that person in 10 hours? You know, Um, you have the goals. Okay. But what is that going to look like? Um, so if you can't say like, or, you know, and, and how are you, you what's it going to look like for the RBT specifically, what is the RBT going to be doing with them for 10 hours as a BCBA, I guarantee you, it is a hundred times easier for me to be like, I could definitely work on things for, you know, 10 hours. I could definitely work on things for, you know, 30 hours for that child, but that's how we've been trained, and that's how our mind works, right? We're constantly seeing the things that we can address or that we need to address. With an RBT, you know, it's a little bit more um, compartmentalized because they have the treatment plan. These are the goals that they have to address. This is how we're going to address it. What is that going to look like? Um, and if you're getting to a place where you are like, well, yeah, I don't know what that would look like, or we're going to end up having a lot of downtime, okay, then that's where we need to start guessing or like um, changing, right? Those, um, those hours that, well, you know, if we're going to have a lot of downtime, then we probably need to scale back the hours. Um, or if we're going to be stressed and frazzled the whole time because we can't get to everything that we want to, then maybe we need to increase the hours.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And see, like it kind of like, I'm just sitting here thinking about that common sense right because like when we do something and we're like practice um a skill and it just becomes part of who we are and how we run things like it's sometimes like tying your shoe it's like oh how did I how did I learn this how did I get this you know but like having that communication that open communication with the families with your staff too because you know like I'm thinking about how many times a tech came to my office and it was like Ugh. I just, I, I, I'm getting burned out with this kid. I can't do three sessions, three hour sessions every day with this kid. Like I'm running out of things to do, especially if it's like a kid who has very limited repertoire of, um, you know, things they like to do. And, um, or maybe there's some extreme, you know, difficult, you know, behavior that takes a lot of mental energy or physical energy on the part of the staff. Um, or the parent says, wow, my kid is like a rock star, the full three hours of the session. But then as soon as you guys leave, he falls apart and it's like hell for the rest of the night, every time, you know, not just the, you know, like taking that feedback into consideration and being like flexible and open, because I think sometimes mm-hmm. it's like so easy for us to kind of have like our rules are like, you know, like, are like, um, rules of how we're doing things like just the way we do things or, well, this is how we do it. Like, Oh, this is how ABA is, you know, you have two hour sessions, you know, or whatever. Right. Um, But really being able to, to be open and be, be flexible in listening to like input and the feedback of the people working with the kids because the kids can't always communicate that to us. Or if they can listen to the kids. Right. Um, You know, if they're able to give that feedback, like really, you know, listen to them, especially as you get to know them. I mean, it might be like, yeah, I don't want two hour sessions. I don't I want 30 hours. I mean, 30 minutes with Miss Mallory. Well, I mean, let's you know, you know, the kid, you can talk with them and figure out what you can do with them to help them. But for the most part, we are dealing with the families and the techs and like listening to their feedback. Um, and instead of just like, well, you gotta make it work. How can we make it work? How can we make three hours work? Well, that might be part of the conversation, but like not stopping there, maybe it does mean you need to decrease the length of the session. And, and the other thing I was thinking about, and it left my mind as I was you know into the other piece, but this isn't what I was thinking about, but this is another thing that as you guys are talking that I would that came to mind was like cancellation rate too. Like looking at, you know, if you have a family who's canceling at a high rate or you have a tech that's canceling at a high rate, especially if it's particular to one client, you know, that, that can be, that could be a sign, right? Okay. Well, maybe this isn't the right amount of hours. Maybe it is the black and white clinical recommendation based on the needs of the kid, Purely mm-hmm. like the skill sets, right? Like where they are developmentally, where they need to be or, um, you know, that type of thing. But like really, truly for this child, for this family, you know, maybe it's maybe it's not the right amount of hours. And I think, I mean, it gets really complicated as we get bigger, right? Like as, as you grow your agency and even as like owners, as we like may even have less, know, frontline, like f- less um, experience directly, right? And we're like supervising a team and trying to get this information out to them to help them to know how to do these things. Um, it, it really, I, I mean, and, and not to be saying negative things about payers, I love how you brought some positivity about that. And when you're talking, Jed, but the there is some rigidity of like looking at medical necessity, like, okay, well, you have this amount of goals, you have this amount of hour per goal that you can request. And, you know, you have to have like data on all of these goals. You have to have, you know, like it, It. I mean, it can, it's tough. Like I'm not, I don't want, I'm not saying that like, I think all of you guys out there who maybe like have it have a very specific cookie cutter, like uh, or a standard for hours, um, you know, or it might you might that just might be where you where the way you can do it like that just might be how you can fit this puzzle to pieces together to make it work because it, it's complicated because if you start to like oh okay well now what do I do okay let's say okay now little Johnny does need like two hours sessions instead of three so that's going to decrease them for fifteen hours to two uh, to ten hours a week let's say then what do we do with our RBT for the other five hours that now they're losing. So I get that there's a lot of moving pieces that go into play with this, but I guess my thing is let's we'll stop for a minute and remember why we're doing what we're doing and who we're serv- providing these services for. Ultimately, that's like the main reason we're here. And then once we can kind of figure out that how do we, what do we do? Okay, yeah. So this tech needs five more hours. Where how do we do that? And I think um, the more that as BCBAs and as BCBA owners, like the more that we like have these conversations and like share with each other our ideas and collaborate with each other, um, you know, it,
0: it's, it can only help. Right. I think that you exactly what I was going to say is everybody has a model, you know, everybody's model and they've come to that model for for a, a variety of reasons. Correct. So I think, if you wanted to to ask a real question it's are you open for some are you open for flexibility or is it this is what i'm doing if there's no negotiating i think it is incredibly important for parents who are on the fence who know in their heart that this is what their child needs, but they're still so leery of ABA that you are missing out on an opportunity to bring the positive side of ABA when you make it that finite. By saying, I'm only going to do this if you are going to commit to this, you have just lost a person and have given a bad taste of ABA. And we all, we've had conversations about the negativity surrounding ABA. You've missed out on an opportunity to bring and and bring somebody in and show what how wonderful this science is when we are willing to work together and it's not about my way or the highway, it's about let me show you why I'm saying 10 hours, 15 hours, whatever the model is, Let me show you the positive of what's gonna happen when we're able to commit to this. Clients who partner with Erica's
1: billing services maximize their reimbursements while increasing overall profitability. Our team of experts is experienced in all areas of ABA billing and can help your office whether you're an existing practice or a new startup. We bill claims to the insurance company for services of ABA, speech therapy, and occupational therapy. We submit authorization for initial assessments, ongoing treatment, and routine visits. We like to help ease this burden on providers by offering benefit checks. We call to follow up on claims that are not paid, denied, or stuck in processing after 30 days to make sure these claims are worked until they are paid. We provide account receivable reports to help show providers exactly where their financials and claims stand each month. Find out more at ericasbillingservices.com.
0: But when you put a parent up against a wall and you say, this is my policy, take it or leave it, you've just lost somebody that could potentially have been a big advocate for ABA and the ability to help that child. So really reevaluating what are you in it for? Are you in it to really make meaningful change in these, ch- these kids' lives? And bring in another person who's going to support the field because I just feel like that's a missed opportunity from that. And so I think to your point on that, April, that's very true, like reevaluate. Um, I think, too, as business owners, we get into a set way of this is what's working. And so when we see change, we kind of just like humans in general, it's like, oh, wait, well, well, you're reinventing the wheel here. Please don't do that because this is what's been proven. And I think that, you know, in order to continue to grow as an agency, grow your staff, continue to help kids, you have to be willing to grow your mindset as well and say 10 years ago that worked, two years ago that worked. But there's been some shifts I'm seeing some trends change I'm seeing things you know I'm getting more staff there's younger thoughts coming in you know be willing to open your mind and your and be willing to to embrace that change and say you know what that's a good idea I've historically always only done it this way but now I can see how this would be a great idea to try it this way or bring in this or again I you know get back to get back to um why are we in this? And don't miss those opportunities of of bringing in that parent and saying, I understand. Yes. And our policy is this. We need policies. We need boundaries. However, everything should be looked at as a case by case. You're missing out as a professional when when you put those boundaries on yourself because you could be missing out on so many really cool new experiences as a Professional as well that's going to help you um, mm-hmm. grow in your expertise if you if you make yourself so we get therapists sometimes that will come who have never worked with a child older than five mm-hmm. and we work with kids all the way up into 18 19 years old and so it is really different when they're like oh I'm going to get to work with older kids they don't know what to do they're great with little ones, and I'm not going to take that away from them, but they're really excited about this idea of seeing, and when you do that, you miss why, when they're older, you see skill sets that you should have been, that they should have learned at two, and three, and four, and you're like, there's your buy-in, because when they're 10, if this didn't happen at this age, this is what you're going to see at 10, and so, um, Everybody has their model and I don't want to ever, you know, have a disparaging thing about that, but I would challenge owners, especially small business owners who are not really as backed by the big agencies to really remember why are you in it and be willing to be a little, have a little more compromise and take and meet the family and take that opportunity to grow their child and them and then their own mindset, I think. Yeah, well said. (laughs) I think. Yeah, that was really great.
2: (laughs) One of my last thoughts was um, talking about just a little bit about like therapy burnout, because a lot of times when I am trying to meet the families where they're at, you know, the child has already been established with OT on Thursday mornings, right? Right. That's their slot and it works for them. And um, while I do think this child needs five days a week, if they're already getting OT and it's working for them let's do four days a week. Let's leave there, let them out. Or, you know, on Thursdays, let's leave that there. Um, if that schedule ever changes, okay, great. We can, maybe we can add that Thursday and that, that is hard. It makes it really hard for scheduling. It, it does because you know, for, for my model, it does make it hard for scheduling, but you know what? Um, I don't want my clients to get therapy burnout. And I, you know, I know most of our clients get speech OT, and ABA some of them in Washington get hippotherapy some of the you know they get other therapies and if they're doing all of those man that that is really a lot so um I also think too it's it's a great opportunity for us to start crossing um you know and, and collaborating with those other um disciplines because you know they we all have different skill sets so I think that that's super important too Yeah. yeah
0: and you can learn from stuff. I mean, I think that's cool.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I really appreciate you guys uh your time and being here today and just um trying to to summarize the best that I can. We said a lot today. Um, but it look you know, from my quick summary from today, you know, I believe the takeaways are the first thing is to have an involved assessment, like making sure that you're really spending time. Um, I know there's, there's boundaries that we have that we have to stick with and with, with, you know, certain payers and things like that and our time and the money that we spend for our staff to be out. But, um, you know, having an involved uh, assessment, making sure that you spend enough time with the kid, assessing the skills that you have that conversation with the parent, getting that parent, um, feedback about not only the needs of the child, but maybe even a little, uh, starting to understand what their family culture and their values and, and things are, um, to help learn that piece as you're learning the child. Um, and then especially, you know, my mind keeps going back to early intervention because that's, we did see kids on up into the early teen years, but for the most part, we focused on early in- intervention, but for those, Um, making sure that that involved assessment for those older children who are able to communicate their values and their needs and what's good for them. Because maybe like I'm thinking about my child who's not on the spectrum, but we do have other engagements that we do that he doesn't have much of a choice. in, but he, we're able to give him that, that time to give us feedback of, Hey, if I have something after school every day, I don't get a chance just to play with my buddies down the street and ride bikes down the road, which is important, right? And so like getting that feedback from those from those um, clients who were able to, to provide that themselves. And then communication with staff and families, having that open communication and being, being willing to listen to what they're saying about the scheduled timing or the length of session or, you know, things like that, the hours, the general hours of the week. Um, and then open to change and flexibility, um, being willing to take all of this into account and maybe do things a little differently than you've always done it. Um, and then so I guess like the, the last thing that we'll, we can end on today is like urging those of you, the um, clinical directors and ABA business owners, um, just to take a, take a couple of minutes this week um, and just kind of Sit uh, with and think about how you um, how your company uh, recommends hours, how you you know determine those hours and scheduling, and check back in with like your especially if you've been in business for a few years. Check back in with your early earlier self, um, the year that wanted to start this business, and um, you know kind of remind yourself of the initial intention for those of you who have, um, you know, your goal, like your values-based goals, like checking back in with your values and my values course values-based leadership course. We talk about, you know, having the values and the mission statement and stuff all kind of aligned so that you can do these like quarterly monthly, whatever, whatever frequency um, check-ins with yourself to make sure that your company is going in the direction that you intended it to, because it can easily go off track um, when you're dealing with so many, so many uh, responsibilities of a business. But just, yeah, I just urge you to to ask yourself why, you know, why you're uh, doing the hours the way that you're doing it, how you're doing scheduling and recommendation. And if you start to if you're good with that, if, if you're right where you want to be great. Um, but if you start to, uh, if that starts to open some more questions for you, I just, uh, I urge you to, to like reach out to other ABA own, you know, business owners, you know, um, I'd love to see like even a, a post, uh, you know, on, I will post something on our, um, uh, ABA business leaders open Facebook group where we can, um, you know, all share ideas. Um, I, cause I really, I, I really want us to be able to have more open conversations together as BCBAs and as ABA, BCABAs and ABA business owners of like, Oh man. Yeah. I, I like, I looked at and, and I evaluated like my, why, if why am I doing this? Why, why am I saying that you have, we have to have, Forty hours across the board, or a certain amount of minimum, or why am I doing this? Um, and, and maybe you realize that oh yeah, I I I don't want to do this like this anymore. But I need help. I need support from others in my community to be able to learn how to do this differently. Or you know, I I just I just urge um, you guys to to if it's even if it's not on our Facebook page or you know in public, reaching out to other BCBAs and other owners and let's start having these conversations um, because they're really important. You're not alone. You're not alone. It feels very lonely um, being, being uh, the owner that, you know, of your company, but, but you're not alone. We, we all have each other. And so, yeah.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. Hopefully it was helpful. If you would like to gain access to this entire video and actually our entire library of videos, please join our ABA Business Leaders membership. You can find that at www3 pysquarecom